You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So we've got the top 50 down. Today we are going 51 through 60. We have Mr. Josh Downs, Sam Laporta, Zach Charbonnet, Cody Mouch, Isaiah Fosky, Keanu Benton, Antonio Johnson, DJ Turner, Julius Brents, and Clark Phillips III. I'm going to try to continue doing what we've been doing, which is hurry as fast as I can, see if I can get 10 done in 30 minutes, which is a lot. It's three minutes per guy. We've already burned a minute in this intro, and I do three different things. The PFF, my thoughts, and the Beast draft guide. So a minute each. That's the goal. We'll see how it goes. We'll start off with Josh Downs. He is wide receiver six on uh, the big board here. Actually, has Quentin Johnston just one spot ahead of him, which is interesting. But anyways, um, Joshua Josh Downs. It's funny how they make it sound like it's a nickname, but I guess technically it is. North Carolina wide receiver, five foot eight and a half. I guess for his sake, we'll call it five foot nine, 171 pounds. Everybody is so small. Um, Suwanee, Georgia. He is 21.7 years old, so we'll put that uh, feather in his cap. Uh, he's coached by his dad. He was teammates with Green Bay Packers running back Tyler Goodson, so that's kind of cool. If Is he still a Packer? I don't even know anymore. That was in high school at North Gwinnett High School in Suwannee, Georgia. Overall, Downs lacks the size. Um, his lack of size will face more resistance versus physical NFL coverage, obviously. But he is a tough cover in the slot one-on-one thanks to his gear changes, shifty route running, Uh, He projects as a three-level slot weapon for an NFL offense and adds punt return value. A.O. Second round value number 41 overall is where he has him. Clicking over to PFF. uh, Three years at North Carolina. First year doesn't count. His two years that he actually started, 81.4 grade, 82.8. His receiving grades, 83.4, 86.5. So very consistent there. As far as the consistency, consistency. And he did play slot, by the way, at North Carolina. A lot of these slot guys did not and we'll have to transition, but he will not. Um, relatively consistent. Um, he did certainly was not consistent in the 83 range, but um, high 60s pretty much every single game. His third worst game was a 67.2. Below that was a 60, and then one bad game, which was a 54.9 against NC State. 
but uh, 70, 71, 71, 72, 73, and then an 82.8, and then a 90.5 against Virginia. So Virginia and Wake on the road, if you wanted to check out his best games, NC State is his worst. Duke, Clemson, Florida A&M, blah, 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 pretty much the rest are middle of the road. 448 speed, by the way, which is uh, relatively slow for a guy. I mean, you know, again, the, the, the gear changes and all that is cool, but you kind of hope if he's going to be 5'9", 171, that he's got, I don't know, 439 speed or something cool, something, I don't know. He's not slow, but that's not fast. Uh, as a kick returner, by the way, he had um, 10 returns this past year. They're actually all punt returns, which makes a lot more sense. I don't think he's much of a kick returner. He's more of a punt returner with that elusiveness, although I don't know that he has a ton of elusiveness. As weird as it sounds, we'll get to that. But 10 punt returns, 133 yards, uh, 13.3 average, which was quite high. 38 yards was his longest, 16 fair catches, et cetera, et cetera. But he was given a 74.8 grade, largely because of one game with a 73.7 grade. The rest, rest were in the 60s, but none of them were negative. So his career punt return average is 11.4. So... Josh Downs is really, really weird. I, I, I like, he's got sort of that Devontae hop and the Justin Jefferson hop, which gets me excited. Sort of that, I'm going to lull you to sleep and then pop, just comes right out of that break. But that's kind of it. As weird as it sounds, usually you just associate that elusiveness with great route running. I don't know that he's a great route runner. Two other really big issues that I saw. Number one, and I don't know if North Carolina teaches him to do this or if they just allow him to do this or what, but he's kind of just ad-libbing out there. Like, everything looks like he's just trying to put a move on guys. and Like, he'll literally just walk out to a receiver and stand there, and then boom. And then when he's running kind of a deep route, he'll sort of jog and kind of lull the guy to sleep, and then he'll do a little hop, and then he'll start running. I literally saw, I've never seen a wide receiver do this in my life. I saw him perform a spin move to try to get past a guy down the field. He didn't have the ball in his hands. He performed a spin move down the field. In all my years, I've never once seen that. So my, my issue with that is that's not going to work in the NFL period, especially in the Matt LaFleur system where everything, you know, all this stuff is based on timing. There's a right way to run routes, there's a right way to come out of your breaks, and there's a right time to do it. You've got to get shot out of a cannon because it's, it's, everything is in rhythm. So he's going to have to learn all that. The other issue is he seemed to have a little bit of an attitude. I don't know that, but for one thing, a lot of these routes... He seemed like he was putting half heart in, you know, not all of his heart into it, just kind of jogging across, almost kind of like, this is stupid, I don't like this. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But there were also situations where he's getting mad at his quarterback, and rightly so. He's wide open several times, a quarterback didn't see him. But then he also scolded one of his wide receivers for not blocking for him when he got a wide receiver screen. So I'm kind of thinking he's got sort of that diva superstar, like, you know, everything is everybody else's fault. I should be getting all... He, he had 15 receptions in this game, by the way. I watched the one against Virginia. So he was not necessarily being neglected. So you add all that into being 5'9", 171. I don't dislike the guy, but I have several concerns. And again, I, I, I really think one of the biggest ones is I don't think he comes in year one and, and contributes because what he's going to be asked to do is so wildly different than what he was doing in North Carolina. There's no spin moves down the field trying to get open. That's not a thing. You have to learn the rhythm and timing of the offense. You can't just be making stuff up every every single play because you're this superstar elite route runner. So very, very unusual situation with Josh Downs. I've never seen anything quite like that. Next up is Sam Laporta, tight end for Iowa. Six foot three, two forty-five out of Highland, Illinois, twenty-two point two years old. Samuel Sam Laporta. Three sisters grew up in uh, Highland in southern Illinois. Comes from an athletic family. Father played football at William Jewell. Mother, Stacy, played basketball and softball. Older sister, Olivia, plays college volley- played college volleyball at Fordham. 
Uh, older sister Alex played college basketball at Miz- uh, Missouri St. Louis. She set a school record for career rebounds. Currently plays professionally in the Dutch Women's Basketball League. Younger sister Bella is a sophomore volleyball player at William Jewell. So they're all big time athletes. Uh, 4 5 9 40, 35 vert, 10 3 broad, 4 2 5 short shuttle, 6 9 1 3 cone. Did 16 bench press reps at his pro day. Overall, Laporta is an average point of attack blocker, and his lack of length hurts his success rate in contested situations, but he plays with outstanding quickness and body rhythm with soft hands as a pass catcher. He is an Austin Hooper mold and projects as a low-end tight end one or high-end tight end two on an NFL depth chart. Grade second, third round, number 64 overall. He has him as tight end six, which is amazing that tight end six, careful, is still in the second round, roughly. That's wild. Um, Sam Laporta via PFF, not really renowned as a good blocker, 53 run blocking grade, 63 pass blocking grade. Obviously they do much more run blocking than pass blocking, only 11 pass blocking reps. That's common among tight ends. But as a receiver and just as a player overall, PFF does like him is four years at Iowa, 71, 75, 72, and then 80 receiving grade, 77, 72, seven, uh, basically 80 and then 85. I'll say this, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Laporta fan. I don't think he's a blocker. I would see him as a Robert Tunyon-type player. I think the thing that I really like about him is, um, although I don't think there's a ton of speed there, I mean, 4.59 is plenty fast for a tight end, but again, there are times I watch this man go up against corners. Come on now, <laughs> you know, you're not running away from anybody. But some of the route running was actually really impressive. It didn't seem like he was guessing out there. He seemed like he had a plan, and he executed it, and he got open. And even on those few instances where he didn't, he still was catching passes. So he can take a hit and still hold on to the ball. And I I was trying to think about it, like, how do I... Because I don't want to say he's on the same tier as some of these other guys, because I don't know. But let me just put it very clearly in this way. I would happily take Sam Laporta in the third round, for example, over Dalton Kincaid in the first in terms of overall value. Now, I don't know that he makes it to the third. He's probably a second-round prospect. Would I take him in the second over Kincaid? Probably. I mean, they're both receivers that I view as relatively useless as blockers, and then that's a little bit unfair. But in terms of, like, are they going to just dominate off in that role? No. I think they're going to be subpar because they're receivers. But I I do like him. I like him as a receiver. You know, as, as JJ has been talking about or talked about a couple days ago, the different styles and types of tight ends that we have – this would be the Tunyon type. Now, I don't have any issue with just going to getting a guy that can do it all and just filling in where you need to fill in. You know, I mean, if Michael Mayer can just be that dude and you say, okay, today you're going to be, or on this play, you're Tunyon, on the next play, you're Mercedes Lewis or whatever, cool, let's let's do that, if you think you can do that. But um, for a Robert Tunyon replacement, I'm completely fine with Sam Laporta. And I'm, I apologize to Sam if he ends up going in the third for ruining his career, but uh, you got to do what you got to do. Next up, Shaq. <laughs> Shaq. Zach Charbonnet, running back out of UCLA, six foot, 214 pounds, out of Camarillo, California, 22.3 years old. Two brothers, two sisters, grew up in LA, played multiple sports. Mother is actually from Paris. She didn't come to, the, to America until she was 16 years old. He's a four-star recruit, number four running back in 2019 recruiting class, number eight out of California. Actually teammates with Kayvon Thibodeau. Overall, Charbonnet is not a dynamic start-stop athlete to quickly change rush lanes or escape trouble, but he has extraordinary vision with reliable pass-catching and blocking skills and impeccable football character he projects as a low-end NFL starter. Looking at his PFF, uh, two years at Michigan, 
Uh, he graded in the 70s, same for rushing grade. Uh, then he goes to UCLA, where he had a much bigger role as the number one. He gets an 89.4 overall grade and a 91.5 overall grade. His rushing grades, 91.9 and 93.6, so nearly a 92 and a 94. So PFF absolutely loves the guy. Um, Had a 7.0 yards per attempt. Career average is 5.9 across his four years, including Michigan. As far as consistency, I don't think I've ever seen anything this consistent in my entire life. Now, there are uh, issues in terms of him missing some time, but this is still a relatively... um, I mean, we're talking about 5, 10, 12-ish games, something like that. I'm telling you, (laughs) when I say I've never seen anything like this in my life, his highest graded game is a 79.6. His lowest is a 72.6. His lowest graded game was against Washington, 72.6. And that's true of his rushing grade as well. I mean, it's it's a little bit wider of a gap, but it's still incredibly consistent. 68.8 is his worst, again, against Washington. 84.6 was his highest against Colorado wildly consistent, which again, I find to be important. So the other good thing about that is you pick any one of his games, and granted the statistics can be uh, different, as far as his rushing ability, you're seeing him in his entirety. My thoughts on Charbonnet, I think my favorite thing is from the limited sample size I saw, he always does the right thing. Sometimes I get annoyed with A.J. Dillon because it's like, dude, why don't you just follow your blockers? Or why are you, you know, he's, he's always taking the this or that, that. Every time I paused it with him, watching from that touchdown angle from behind, end zone angle, I never once saw him go in a direction that I thought, I think you would have been better off this way. And I'm doing it like in slow-mo. He also does have a decent amount of power. Saw him, you could see the clip I put on Twitter. He put a guy on his back, linebacker trying to blitz. He just laid him out. So I think he's a solid option at running back. You know, if you're a team like the 49ers and you can just grab pretty much whoever and turn him into a superstar, this dude would be fine. But I don't necessarily think, I mean, he's, he's fine as far as the one cut and go, but even that is not like a super, you know, bang, he explodes out of that cut. He just he just goes. He goes the right way. So I like him as a decent enough sort of number two rotational guy, an A.J. Dillon type, for example. He's not as big. He's not as fast. So he's not A.J. Dillon. But, you know, again, you put him in an offense where he's got opportunities, he's going to take every single one of those, and that's worth a lot. Next up is Cody, it looks like Mauk, is how they're saying to say it. Uh, Dane Brugler has him listed as the number four offensive guard, which would make sense. He's got Skaronsky number one, then Osiris Torrance, then Steve Avila, and then Cody Mauk. He is, however, listed on uh, PFF as a tackle, which is because that's what he did. But, you know, again, probably going to be a guard. Six foot five, 302 pounds, 5.08 speed. Primarily played left tackle, did a little bit of right tackle early on, but also has 13 snaps at left guard, three snaps at right guard, none at center. But North Dakota State will say guard out of Hankinson, North Dakota, 24.2 years old, second oldest of eight kids, raised on a 5,500-acre fourth-generation farm. This all sounds right. He grew up baling hay and helping grow corn, soybeans, beans, and sugar beets. This is why uh, Madison, by the way, has such a good offensive line all the time with all these just massive human beings, because this is the kind of thing that happens in Wisconsin. You just got a guy that grew up since he was like five years old working a farm, and now he goes and plays football and pushes grown men around because, you know, that's what he does in his time off. Played baseball, basketball, track, qualified for states and javelin. He was a no-star recruit coming out, 
says overall mauk i'm already forgetting yeah mauk doesn't have ideal length or sand in his lower body but he has outstanding movement skills fierce handwork and innate competitiveness to become a steady uh, starter early in his NFL career. He should get a look at tackle first, but also projects well inside, reminiscent of Mitch Morse. Second round grade, number 45 overall. As for PFF, and you got to understand, this is North Dakota State, so really good grades here doesn't necessarily mean that it would be really good grades at, you know, Alabama or Georgia or whatever. But with that said, five years there, didn't really start, start until 2020 when he took over as the left tackle. His grades, 82.8, 88.9, and 91.8. Run blocking, 76.6, 84.2, 91.2, and then pass blocking, 85, 88, and 81. This year, 91.8 overall, 91.2 run blocking, 81.8 pass blocking, gave up one sack, two hits, six hurries, nine total pressures. Uh, as far as consistency, he's largely consistent, but he's just got a couple bad games mixed in. If you're looking at it, 70, 80, 80, 90, 80, 50, 70, 90, 50, 90, 80, uh, 70, 80, 50, 70. So just like three bad games mixed in, otherwise 70s, 80s, 90s. Only tape available is 2021 against Albany, but he did well in that game, so it should be fine. I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a, I am a mock, however you say it. <laughs> Why can't my brain remember anything? I'm a mock fan. I'll be honest. My first thought when I saw him was Jason Spriggs, and I'm like, I'm not going to like this dude. This is Jason Spriggs. I refuse to like him. But as the game went on, and, and I this is somewhat, I guess you call it hyperbole, but I'm not talking direct correlation. This dude's David Bakhtiari. I mean, just the way that he looks. He's bigger than Spriggs was. He's got a little more body. He's not quite, he's kind of in between, but like even his stance, the way he looks, the way he walks, and... Early on in this game, dude's helmet comes off. He's got long black hair, and he does that thing where he like flips his hair back. And I'm like, this guy's a Packer. He's he looks like David Bakhtiari, Clay Matthews. You know what I mean? Like we got uh, Royce Newman with the mullet and the mustache. If we're able to get this guy, I know he's supposed to be like a second round grade, but whatever. If this guy falls to the fourth and we grab him, guaranteed, he is. I'm not going to say Hall of Famer, but he is a Pro Bowl tackle for the Green Bay Packers. It's just it's just one of those things, dude. Now, again, it's NDSU, but I love his movement. It, he's one of those guys, and I think it's because he's a farm boy. It says 302, but he looks like he's about 290. He carries it really, really well, and I'm guessing it's just because he's a big, dense, thick fella. He looks kind of trim, but the, I mean, and the reason I bring that up is because he moves really well. Some of these guys that got so much weight on him, it's hard to move it. He moves like a you know, again, like a hundred or 290 pound dude. So I'm watching him just sprint up to these linebackers and he has no issue doing it. I think there's going to be a bigger learning curve like anybody else coming out of NDSU. Um, I mean, there he's in a three point stance all the time, just firing off the line in a, in a, in an offense that runs the ball a ton, but I like him. Do I second round like him? Maybe. I mean, it's just like a Christian Watson thing. I like Christian Watson, but I don't know how good he is. He's beaten nobody competition. It's hard to say. And third round's cursed, so I feel bad even saying take him in the third. But again, that fourth round sweet spot, man. Anyways, next up, that brings us to Mr. Isaiah Fosky. It's just Fosky, but I don't know why it feels like it's a breathy thing when you say it. Fosky. Ed Rusher, Notre Dame, six foot five, two hundred and sixty-four pounds. He's out of Antioch, California. Twenty-two point four years old. Youngest of four kids. Played a lot of sports like everybody, including, though, karate. So he will kick you in the face. 
Also, military family. Dad was in the Navy and then later a police officer. I always like that because it means discipline, right? These are very rarely the guys that you hear that are causing problems in the locker room that are going out doing nonsense. These are the guys that are in the weight room. These are the guys that are, you know, that you want on a team that needs discipline, leadership, et cetera, et cetera. Generally speaking, I'm sure there are guys that rebel against that or whatever, but considering he has worked really hard to get to this point, I'm guessing not so much. But he played the Viper edge position for head coach Marcus Freeman, hybrid four-man front. Overall, Foskey needs to be more consistent versus the run, and his pass rush arsenal lacks variety. However, he has promising traits, and his play speed and nonstop hustle raise his floor as an NFL player. He projects an impactful sub-package rusher as a rookie, with the talent to develop into a full-time edge rusher. By the way, he has him as the number 11 edge rusher. Scroll up and see who we skipped here. Well, I guess it's just Derek Hall. There's a lot of edge rush. Didn't Isn't that what uh, Goody said was an edge rusher or another one? There are a lot. I mean, we are to number 11. And we're, uh, are we just getting into the third round here? Derek Hall, who we haven't done yet, is second, third. Foskey, he has still second, third round grade number 60 overall. 11 edge rushers in the first and second round. That's nuts. Anyways, as far as PFF, uh, he didn't really play four years, but he didn't really play much as a rookie. First year, which was his second year, he had a 63 grade. Then it went to an 80, then a 72. Um, Run defense, 64, 78, 67. Pass rush, 62, 77, 74. Um, He had 18 pressures on 153 attempts, then 32 pressures on 284, and then 33 on 311. So a little bit of a step backwards in 2022, but um, not too terrible. I think the bigger issue that I have is that his grades are, as far as the consistency thing, really not very good. He only has two games at a 70 or above, despite his 72.3 overall grade. He had a 90 against Cal, which really raises his grade, 71 against North Carolina, and then it's 69, 68, 66, 65, 64, 63, 62, 61, 60, and then 53.4 against Navy. So my thoughts, he actually reminds me a little bit of Cam Smith in terms of my assessment of him. You know, there there are some people that I really like, and one of the attributes I like is they make football look easy. Isaiah Foskey makes football look hard. Um, One of the things I said about Cam Smith is that he reminds me of Jalen Smith, who played linebacker for us for a little while. He was with Dallas. He was with some other teams. Super talented guy. He just didn't know what to do. There's a ton of movement, but it's like, you know, it just feels like he's guessing out there. There's no real plan. He's kind of just running and flailing wildly. Now, you could easily look at Foskey and say, look, he's got some great length at 6'5". You know, all we got to do is teach him, you know, instead of taking these little choppy steps, you know, take some big boy step. Learn what to do with your hands. You know, he's swiping at the offensive lineman and just missing and like face planting into the guy's chest. You know what I mean? Like maybe if you could teach him up a little bit, but then I'm thinking the guy's been at Notre Dame for four years. He's been playing for a long time. He's got 1,500 snaps under his belt, and you're not a dummy if you're playing at Notre Dame. I mean, I understand football players may be a little bit different in terms of being able to get in, but I'm sure Notre Dame still has high academic standards for their athletes. So again, he's no dummy. So the point is, if he's just not getting it, I don't know if he's going to get it. You know, if he hadn't been playing since he was a kid, if he, you know, he was a basketball player that turned football, and then he was a tight end that became a defensive end like three years ago, and he's playing at, I don't know, some other school with not super high academic standards, Georgia or something, I don't know. You look at it and go, hey, he's got high upside. Maybe we could teach him and train him. I think this, you know, some guys are built to play football. Some guys work really hard to get into that spot. I think he's worked really high, hard. The question is, is he tapped out? Is he kind of to that point where 
he's done everything he can do and there's nowhere to go from here. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm just again, he just makes football look hard. That's all I can say about the guy. So I'm not personally a big fan. Next up, we've got Keanu Benton at number six. Hopefully I like him because I don't think I've liked a single defensive tackle in this entire class. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe I liked Brzee. And I'm sure if I go back and watch Jalen after watching all these guys, I'll like him. But wait, I like Tommy a little bit, didn't I? I think I like Tommy. I don't know. Anyways, Keanu Benton is out of Wisconsin, so I got to have a little bit of bias in terms of my uh, liking the guy and whatnot. But Six foot three and a half, call him six foot four, 309 pounds out of Janesville, Wisconsin, just up the road here. 21.7 years old, one of three kids, grew up in South Chicago, played uh, baseball at a youth level, moved to Janesville in sixth grade. Very good wrestler, which I think is a important thing. I remember um, Mike Daniels talked about that. Mike Daniels was a wrestler, and he talked about how important that. There was like an interview that he did before he came like a big deal, and he was talking about how big wrestling is. And then he ended up just freaking dominating the NFL. Oh, wow. Apparently his wrestling coach, Mark Mullen, saved the life of Benton's sister after he stopped breathing in gym class. That's crazy. Three-star recruit out of high school. Number five recruit in Wisconsin. Overall, Benton needs to play with consistent leverage and become more consistent finisher for the NFL game. But his stout power base and above-average athleticism at his size are outstanding foundation traits. He has the talent to play all over the defensive line as a pro. By the way, 5.0840, which seems to be common above everybody we're looking at recently. Uh, 29.5 invert, invert, who cares? Blah, blah, blah. You can look it up. As for PFF, four years at Wisconsin, nothing super fantastic. Uh, He played a decent amount for four years, but mostly the last two years. But his grades overall, 72, 63, 61, 73. Um... I mean, we'll just go over this year, I guess. 73 overall, 65 run defense, 56 tackling, 83 and a half pass rush, though. 28 pressures on 227 uh, attempts, which is not terrible, and six sacks to add on to that. Um, Consistency is really, really bad. I mean, it's all over the place. It's 70, 60, 70, 40, 50, almost 90, 70, 60, 70, 50, 80, 60. So, I mean, it it is all over the map. And now I do remember Mr. Benton. I tell you what, I like him, man. He he is a violent person. He's one of those guys that a um, little bit unrefined. The Ohio State game was rough. Um, I mean, look, those those are all NFL starters on that offensive line. Whipler or whatever at center. That dude's going pretty early next year. But um, look, he's not going to be. Well, I shouldn't say he's not going to be. He he could be whatever you know, potentially train him up or whatever. But as he is right now. He's one of those guys that I see as kind of like a grenade. He's going to blow some stuff up. He is powerful. He is strong, but he's relatively unrefined. And the fact of the matter is you look at guys like in that Ohio State game, and and it's not that they're bigger or stronger necessarily. They had better technique, which is surprising from a wrestler to be able to lose the leverage battle. But a lot of times these guys will get low, get into his stomach, and just push him clear out of the way. So, I, you know, I think there are going to be situations where Benton's just going to wreck some stuff. He's going to blow somebody up and get in the back. I mean, if you watch his game against Michigan State, the first several plays, blows a guy up, tackle in the backfield. You know, he's, you know they're, they're uh, running outside zone. He's just running along with it, gets out there, beats the guy that's trying to block him, and brings a guy down. He's hard to stop, man. He's a freaking freight train. But you go to the NFL, you find people that are, everybody's big, everybody's fast. And these guys understand understand technique, and, and he's going to have to get on that level. And again, considering how long it takes a lot of defensive tackles to get up to speed, I just feel like this isn't going to be a year one thing. But I do like him. He's going to be a guy you put in. He'll he'll make a play here and there. 
but he's not going to play much because the coaches are going to be like, he doesn't exactly know what to do and I don't trust him and all that stuff. But do I like him? Yeah. Next up, Antonio Johnson. Believe it or not, we are only to the second safety in this class. But safety out of Texas A&M, six foot uh, two-ish, 198 pounds out of East St. Louis, Illinois, 21.4 years old, oldest of four kids, born and raised uh, by his mom, four-star recruit, number four safety in the 2020 class, one spot behind Brian Branch, number one recruit in Illinois. Overall, Johnson has undisciplined tendencies and is still getting his body organized technically, but he is at the best near the line of scrimmage with the zone instincts and eagerness to drop the hammer in the run game. His play style is reminiscent of Jamal Adams, albeit in a different body type. That's a heck of a heck of a praise there. Texas A&M, three years, really only been like two, and it's kind of only been like one because he was hurt apparently a lot in... What, what, what did he... Uh, I'm sure it says his injury here. It just says missed three games as a junior because of injury. But 64 grade as a rookie where he didn't play a ton. Then the second year when he played the whole year, 87.4. Then this past year, which was he was injured, uh, 81.6. It went back a little bit, but um, 81.6 overall, 83.7 run defense, 70 tackling, 65.2 pass rush. He did 16 times, and then 79.7 coverage. As far as consistency, not great. Um, 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 50, and then 78, 84, 72. So his 81 is comprised of three really good games and then a bunch of average. Also, he kind of played all over the place in terms of his slot or his, his safety designation. It was slot, strong safety, slot, free safety, free safety, slot, strong safety, slot, slot. The only game I got of him is Alabama, which was his worst game, 57 grade. So I'm not a, and I, I this is the same conclusion I came to. I actually did go back to 2021 because he had better grades and Saw his uh, Mississippi State game in which he had a great tackling grade and, you know, 72.2 overall. I still am not a big Antonio Johnson fan. And and the same thing is said about Brian Branch, right? Everybody's like, oh, Brian Branch will come in and smoke a guy. And Antonio Johnson, what do they say in this this uh, draft guide here? Said, um, eagerness to drop the hammer. He doesn't have that. Here's the thing. It's one thing if there's a wide receiver screen and you got a defenseless man hanging in the air and you're going to go lay him out. That's great. But what happens when you got to come in from 15 yards deep, deep middle of the field? You know what I saw that really bad Alabama game? He runs up, he stops because he doesn't want to hit him full speed because that's going to hurt, and then tries to make a tackle and just completely whiffs. And even if he makes a tackle in that situation, what's going to happen? He's going to stop, he's going to grab him, hold on for dear life, and ride him to the ground, allowing him to get an additional five or however many yards if he can even make a tackle. Look, it takes a special Brady. You know why we all liked uh, Rudy Ford? Because he's a special teamer. You know what a special teamer is? It's a guy that'll run full speed down the field, 25, 30 yards, whatever it is, and smack dead into a guy that's running as fast as he can in the opposite direction. Not a lot of guys have that. Antonio Johnson and Brian Branch don't have that. They just don't. And they're going to be the same guys that frustrated us to death who will run up from deep and will just completely miss on a guy or not really just lay him out like we need him to do. Just come up and just crack a guy like, like Adrian Amos will. He'll come from deep and tackle a guy behind the line of scrimmage somehow. I don't even know how he does that. We've seen enough of this. I don't want more guys like that. On top of that, 4-5-2 speed. You know, he played a lot of zone, but, I mean, he doesn't have phenomenal coverage ability. He doesn't have speed to be able to keep up with guys. He doesn't have that killer instinct as a safety. I just can't really get into the Antonio Johnson thing. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? We've still got three more prospects to get to. I'm being a little bit more wordy than usual. But we got DJ Turner, Julius Brents, and Clark Phillips coming up after the break. I may have said this already, but thanks to Josh Rowmaker for upping his pledge, as well as Mr. Zachary Barnes 
Matthew Hebert, and that's it. Also, I do have a new Jordan Love shirt. I haven't posted it yet, but if you want to go uh, check out the store, if you still have a link. And there's a discount code, by the way, in the in Patreon. So you're actually going to save money if you do a dollar on Patreon and then go buy a shirt if you want to buy a shirt. I'm just saying. Also, please remember Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministries. See if that's something that you'd be interested in supporting. FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Next up, we have the number seven corner via uh, the draft guide. DJ Turner out of Michigan, 5'11", 178 pounds, 22.4 years old out of Suwannee, Georgia. His name is Juan Drago. Dude, that's dope. Again, another guy that's JD, but they call him DJ. There was another guy that was the same thing. His actual name was JD, but they call him DJ. Juan, J-U-A-N. Drago, D-R-A-G-O, one word. Dude, that's freaking awesome. They call him DJ. I don't know why, Juan Drago. Anyways, played uh, football at an early age. Was actually high school teammates with Josh Downs, we've already talked about. Three-star recruit, number 40 quarter cornerback in 2019, number 49 recruit out of Florida. Overall, Turner's limited length and play strength are amplified versus bigger targets, but he is smart, explosive, and competitive and should continue to ascend in coverage. He doesn't back down and shows no shows the movement ability and toughness desired at nickel in the NFL. Still second-round grade number 42 overall. He has him actually quite high. That's really high. He likes this guy. PFF, uh, two years, well, three, but one, he did only played 11 snaps. So two years at Michigan, looks like two full years. 78.3 grade, 77.4 this year, 77.4, 76.1 run defense, 66 tackling, 52 pass rush. He didn't do that very much, just five tries. And then 76.2, wildly inconsistent. In fact, probably more bad games than good. Um, His 78 grade was amplified by a 76, 80, 85, and 86. So three really good games. But he also had... um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 below a 60, 59, 53, 48, 46, and 43. So he's got a lot of bad games mixed in here. I do not like the inconsistency stuff, as you can probably tell. Dang it, I'm an idiot. 
I was looking at 2021 because I had to go back for that last guy. Sorry, much more consistent on this one, but not as much high. Uh, between all 60s and 70s the entire year, with the exception of a couple 58s, but we'll call those 60s. So my apologies. Uh, he got much more consistent. Anyways, by the way, I missed a major, major component here. I was curious about how fast he was, and I glanced up 426. 426. Lord help me. I'm shocked this guy doesn't have a higher blitz grade. I just watched him blitz off the edge against TCU. He's so fast. So look, um, I don't have any issue with DJ Moore and, and his passion. The guy tries hard. He's got blazing speed. I'm not going to complain if we draft this guy to be a slot corner with 4.26 speed or whatever. But he's just too small, man. 5'11", 178, he looks like a kid out there. Seeing him try to tackle people, I mean, first of all, he's he's not super willing. Like, he, you know, sometimes he kind of is, but it's just, he just can't do it. He's 178 pounds. I don't know, I'm just kind of stunned that he has him at uh, 42 overall. I don't really understand that. Next up, we have Julius Brents, another cornerback, this time listed as the number 12 cornerback on the big board, so not... Uh, as big of a fan, I suppose. But Julius Juju Brents, second youngest of six kids, east side of Indianapolis is where he's from, by the way. Six foot two and a half, we'll call him six point uh, six foot three, 198 pounds, uh, 23.2 from Indianapolis, as I said. Active in several sports. Three-star recruit, number 30 safety in 2018, number four in Indiana. Overall, Brent's inconsistent balance and ball skills are legitimate concerns at the next level, but he is a long-limbed, fluid athlete with loose movements and speed to maintain phase. He offers the man cover skills that will help him compete for a starting level snaps early in his NFL career. Third round grade, number 78 overall. Um, make sure we're on 2022. Yes, we are. PFF, he played in Iowa for three years. Uh, his rookie year, he actually played a significant amount, 73.7 grade. Then he didn't play and then didn't really play. Then he goes to Kansas State, got a 68 grade, then a 75 grade. Uh, on top of that, he had an 80 run defense grade, 77.7 tackling, 75.5 coverage, 57.7 passer rating. Not very consistent, only four good games, 82 against Texas Tech, and then 76, 75, 74. Then he had a bunch of 60s, 50s, and a 47 against Texas. So uh, mostly average, and then just as many good and bad on either side of the averages. Interesting thing about this is this is the kind of guy who, you know, if somebody who's doing this database or whatever actually watches film, depending on what games they watch, they could end up really hating a really positive prospect, or vice versa. All right, boys and girls, I'm just going to tell you right now, I am a Julius Brents fan. This guy belongs on the Green Bay Packers. I'm not going to tell you he's the best cover guy. His four, what is it, four, five, three speed is certainly concerning. But this is one of the most aggressive and violent and strong corners I have ever seen. He has got Jair Swagger written all over him. He's one of those guys, he barely did anything, and he was like skipping behind this guy, just chirping in his ear. He got into a fight with a wide receiver and just put his hand right in the guy's throat. He's over there throwing, you know, throwing his hands up to the ref. And I understand, like, we don't want dirty this, that, or the other. But I'm telling you, it was the same thing with Jair. When he punched a tight end in the throat, it was pure love for me from that point on. I want this level of violence and swagger from our DBs. We've got it in spades, and I want more of it. This dude took on Alabama. I watched Alabama. Two Alabama offensive linemen. I'm talking about he saw, there was a pulling guard. Who is this man right here? 
Tyler Booker, guard, six foot five, three hundred and thirty-two pounds. He came in and smashed this dude. I'm not gonna say he won the fight. In fact, he kind of got beat up. Booker was like furious about it. Like, how dare you? He's over there like bodying the guy over and over again, throwing him. But that's the thing. He doesn't care. And then there was another play. There was another guard. He, I'm not, again, he didn't move. He locked horns with him and was like, let's do this. Who was it? It was uh, 55. Another guard, uh, Emil Ikior, six foot two, three fourteen. He came up and locked horns with this dude and just didn't move. It was, it was like a street fight. I don't care. I want Julius Brent's end of story, done deal. I don't give a crap about his 40-timer. I don't even care if he can cover. I want him to go out there, punch somebody in the face, get ejected, and just get this team fired up. Let's go. I like it. All right, final prospect, another corner, this time Clark Phillips. He has at number eight, so significantly higher than uh, the last guy. Five foot nine, one eighty-four. He doesn't mind the smaller corners, does he? Uh, 21.3 years old out of Lakewood, California. One of four kids, grew up in L.A., started playing soccer at age three. Four-star recruit, number six cornerback, uh, number six out of California. Overall, Phillips doesn't have elite size or speed and needs to limit the big plays allowed, but his read-react athleticism, competitive instincts, and ball skills will translate well to NFL coverage. He has a skill set of a playmaking nickel, capable of seeing outside reps as well. Second-round grade, number 53 overall. Looking at PFF, it's just an arrow going straight up. He played three years, not as much in his first year, but 66, 74.6, and then 85.2 this past year. He also had a 70 run defense grade, a 37 tackling grade, 75 pass rush. He only did that twice. And an 86.3 coverage grade, which let's be honest, that's what it's all about aside from punching, which is a metric that only I score people on. Uh, Consistency isn't great, but it's not terrible. Largely his 85 grade came because he had a 92.4 against Oregon State. Um, He had four other good games aside from that, but everything else was average. His only bad game was against USC. He had a 48.3 grade in that game. Um, four five one speed, by the way. I keep forgetting to mention these things. 33 vert, and then a four three two short shuttle. He actually got it down to four two one at his pro day. It did 18 reps on the bench at the combine. So Dane Brugler and I are on opposite sides of the spectrum here. He doesn't mind size, and I do. Um, again, similar to the guy's guy from two times ago or whatever. He's just too small, and I think it shows. I don't question the heart, the tenacity. Uh, the coverage ability, even maybe you move him into the slot, it gets a little bit better. But he he just he just doesn't have the size. I mean, five nine one eighty four is small. Again, thirty seven tackling grade, and I think there's a reason for that. He doesn't have that aggression. There are times, you know, you know, a lot of times when uh, a team will run the ball, let's just say up the middle, the wide receiver is still going to try to block you. Clark just backs off. And he's just like, nah, dude, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm not going to do anything. Throw a pass to his side, and he he does that thing. Rather than go and get him, he kind of like stands where he is. Like, okay, come on. I'll get you when you come over here. I just, I'm just not into that. So it's going to be a no for me. All right, there we go. So we have gotten through, what, 60 prospects now? And it's cool because every single time through, there's a guy that I really like. Right, Julius Brents. I do like Keanu Benton. Cody Mauk. Sam Laporta. I like those guys. I'm trying to remember who I like. That's by the way, um, over at the Substack, packernet.substack.com. Because I'm forgetting who I liked and what I thought and all that, I have these audio transcribed and then I give it to the AI and I'm like, hey, remind me what I said about all these guys. And it's kind of reminding me. So I'm putting all those notes on the Substack so that I can reference them, but also you can as well. So you can throw it back in my face and be like, you said this, you stupid friggin' idiot. 
and I'll be like, oh yeah, my bad. But no, I'm, I'm glad that there's still a lot of play. My, my, my fear is we were going to get down here and I'm just going to be like, yeah, he sucks, he sucks. I don't know, everybody sucks because we're getting down into the hundreds now and it's just garbage. I really like a lot of these guys. And and the fact that there's still guys that I'm looking at, like, dude, I would I would take Brent's, like, you know, a lot earlier. Anyways, I don't have a ton of time to be able to backfill anything else, but um, I'm, I'm going to hammer home a point here just because it's a little feather in my cap. I've already established this, but I just want to continue a little bit. Getting back to the GM discussion a little bit. Again, keeping in the back of our mind that a lot of this draft stuff comes down to luck, but good GMs are able to hit at a slightly more consistent rate. The reason I was picking on Brandon Bean is because this guy, maybe not this year, but a year or two ago, was untouchable. Best GM by a mile. But the funny thing is a lot of these guys, it's all about one pick. Right, I've talked about Schneider. He crushed the draft and free agency for a year, year and a half, call it two years. Built a dominant team, but then everything sucked, but it just didn't matter because of what he did. And it was getting to the point where everybody was about to just completely write him off and realize, and then this past year he actually had a pretty solid draft. So now it's back to he's just a great GM. I bring that up because I want to read this. This is from um, thegolong.com. You can uh, read it over there. you got to pay for it or whatever, but... It's a Q&A mailbag thing. Here is what a Buffalo Bills fan by the name of Megan had to say. Draft, develop, retain. That is the philosophy McBean has been preaching. Tremaine Edmonds goes to Chicago. Now Ed Oliver is hinting that he will leave. Seems like that would make two years worth of number one draft picks on different teams. Rousseau has been good but not great. The jury is still out on Elam. Allen and White have panned out. Do the Bills have a problem evaluating first-round talent, or can they simply not get up the board high enough without giving too much megan he goes on to answer fantastic question megan have wrestled with this one most of the offseason the decision to draft josh allen over josh rosen justifiably buys both brandon bean and sean mcdermott goodwill but that was also five years ago all drafts since have been average at best so it is funny i mean the the guy took the bill he i mean he is the guy that took the bills from an irrelevant organization to what they are now but at the same time, the guy rolled the dice on Josh Allen. And that was the big thing. And, and the funny thing is, a lot of these guys that set their teams up for success and are considered these great GMs do it because they made controversial decisions at quarterback. Think about it. The Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. They traded up for the guy that was a real high-risk proposition. It worked out massively. You think about the Eagles massively controversial decision to draft a quarterback in the second round and that is the reason yes there's a great team built around him there's he went out and got a wide receiver they've got enough a lot of that was already in place but that's what got them where they are and that's why he's considered a top gm look at the buffalo bills and josh allen that was a laughing stock the guy's a clown he's a circus performance he's a garbage quarterback with a cannon and he went and played like garbage, and Brandon Bean was a freaking joke. And then, then he goes out and adds a wide receiver, and Josh Allen in year three figures it out, and suddenly he's the greatest GM that ever existed. A lot of this stuff comes down to being strong enough to make a decision that people are not going to like on a quarterback. And that's the other thing. How many other positions has this ever happened? Controversial or not, that just completely transformed an organization. Has it ever happened outside a quarterback? Can we consider Bosa and the 49ers a thing? Probably not. I'm, I'm confident in saying there's never been a wide receiver that's been taken in the first round or any other round that's completely transformed an organization. I could be wrong, but I mean, look at uh, Megatron in Detroit. Didn't do jack squad. 
You could say Jerry Rice, but where are they without their quarterback? It all hinges on the quarterback. So, again, just hammering that point because it, it, it is funny because these guys get a lot of credit, but they, they really don't know. They don't, they, Gutekunst doesn't know Jordan Love's going to do anything. Just like Brandon Bean didn't know if Josh Allen was going to pan out. Just like the Chiefs didn't know Pat Mahomes was. I mean, good for them for, for evaluating it and coming to... And, and you know, you know they saw the negatives. It's not like they look at it and like, I guarantee. It's a high-risk proposition. They knew there was a high chance that this dude was never going to be what they thought he was going to be. But they also saw that potential and said, you know what, let's go after it. Let's, let's take a swing because what else do we have? The Kansas City Chiefs were garbage for a long time. Buffalo was garbage for a long time. Take that swing. Do that controversial thing and get that quarterback. And I'm not talking about the Jets. They're being idiots with Aaron Rodgers, but that's their problem. But anyways, it's getting late. It's almost uh, it's almost going to be too late for me to get Packernet after dark done, so i got to hurry up and do that so you guys can have that from last night. But anyways, I hope you're enjoying this series, trying to rip through these prospects, and I look forward to hearing from you guys in terms of some of the guys that you like. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>